Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Things First. I'm Jenna Wolf, alongside Nick Wright, Kevin Wilds, a very happy Eric Mangini <laughs> with us this morning. It is Friday, finally, and we have a great show for you today. Coming up, Dak and the Cowboys are once again at an impasse. So where do we go from here? We'll let you know. Uh, what would it look like if Brady and LeBron teamed up together? What if LeBron and Brady teamed up together? We'll talk about that. And Hollywood Brown is going to join us. Talk about the upcoming season with Lamar Jackson. Nick's already shaking his head. He loves my joke so much. We'll start this morning, though, with the possible death of the onside kick in the NFL. Here we go. NFL owners are voting on a unique rule change that would pivot to an alternative. So... Teams would be allowed a fourth and 15 from their own 25 instead of the usually unsuccessful and oftentimes dangerous onside kick. Advantage? High-powered offenses. Nick, kick things off with you. What do you think? All right, just to be clear, Jenna, I was not shaking my head at your joke. Your joke was wonderful. I was was concerned about LeBron starting to hang out with a you know, an untoward element, if you will, given Tom Brady's friend group. But we'll get to that later in the show. To start with sure. this right now, to kick off talking about the potential death of the onside kick, this would be an amazing, historic change for the NFL. This would be a major, major departure from how things have always been done. I think it would be a welcome change. One thing Coach and I have talked about off the air a lot as far as I know people laugh when I say this, but Coach and I talk about football strategy a lot, especially when we're able to be in the same room and not quarantined, is that you must avoid getting yourself in what we call an onside kick game, where because of time score situation, the only way you can get back in the game is by successfully recovering an onside kick. And that was the belief before the NFL changed the rules and made onside kicks almost impossible to recover. Think back to the most famous comeback, arguably, in NFL history, Falcons, Patriots, in the Super Bowl. One of the reasons that many of us feel like the Falcons butchered that so badly was they had many opportunities to force the Patriots into an onside kick game, and their play calling went the other way to where the Patriots could just essentially run their normal offense and not have to get into an onside kick game. If you remove the onside kick entirely, the butterfly effects are enormous, Wilds. If you're watching the game and your team has the ball with six minutes left, down 17, you're thinking, well, we probably won't win, but we score here, get the conversion, we could score again, convert it again because you would be allowed to do this twice, and we could win the game without our defense ever having to take the field. Wilds, I also wonder... People say it'll be good for high-powered offenses. I wonder if it could be used against high-powered offenses. Say you're playing my Kansas City Chiefs, and you're down seven with four minutes left, and you score a touchdown, right? You score a touchdown to tie the game. Would you consider going for it, saying, well, if we get it, we'll keep the ball, and if we don't get it, they'll, they'll have such a short field, at least we'll get the ball back. I think there will be a lot of potential ripple effects from this. I love the idea of it, Wilds. I don't know why anyone would vote against it. Uh, I'll go even a crazy step further that we'll eventually see. Uh Uh-oh, we're playing the Chiefs. We're probably going to lose. Let's try to keep them literally off the field. You could theoretically 
score, two-point conversion, fourth and 15, again and again. You could not. You could keep the offense off the field until it's 24 nothing theoretically. And, Coach, I want to give some numbers to you. If I saw this rule and I worked at the Sloan Sports Conference, I would start cranking them right now. But just for some stats, and I'm going to pull a Kornheiser here, put my glasses on. <laughs> fourth and 15 last year, 28.6%. Small sample size, two for seven. Previous year, three for seven, 43%. Then they go 0 for, 0 and 0 for 6. The 2016, 2 for 6, 33%. Compare that to onside kick success, which in the last five seasons is about 13%. So it feels like fourth and 15 is much more advantageous, would happen much more often. As a coach, how would you plan for this? Well, there's a couple things here. So the NFL does have the benefit of seeing how this worked with the XFL. This will probably be the legacy of the XFL if it gets passed. And I understand the player safety component of this as well. But as you guys talk about keeping the Chiefs off the field, and, and look, let's not put the Chiefs in, in the you know unstoppable offense category for years and years to come. Like, I get it. They, they, were, they played really well this year, but we're... we're we're fast forwarding a little too much here, but we'll, we'll get back to that too. But if you wanted to keep a team off the field, typically a surprise onside kick hits a lot at a much higher rate than an onside kick that people know okay. is coming. So you would actually have an edge on a surprise onside kick. If you're trying to keep a team off the field, than you would, you know, a fourth and 15 or a regular onside kick. Here's what I don't like about it. Football is a, is a, uh, effect of all three phases of the game. And this, again, takes something away from special teams. And it, 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 to me, to have to be able to perform in all three phases of the game is, is as important to the uh, integrity of the game as, as anything. Do I think this is a, the way it's going? Yeah. Do I love it? No. All right, well, Nick is right. It can also help defenses. But for the most part, if you just look at this on its surface, this is a proposed rule that would benefit oh, yeah. the high-powered offense. And we're not talking the Chiefs down the road. We're talking the Chiefs next year. They are a very high-powered offense. In fact, nobody happier about this than Patrick Mahomes tweeting fourth and 15 with a pair of cold sweat emojis, putting the league on notice. Nick, how much do you think this would actually affect the Kansas City Chiefs? First of all, Jenna Wolf uh, elucidating what, to me, what that emoji means. No sarcasm here. I've never known that was a cold sweat emoji. I've always wondered, why is the guy's head? I thought it's uh, That makes total sense. Great job by you, Jenna. I had no idea. I now understand what that emoji means. I'm, I, Anytime I, know you I think can I'm help you sarcastic. get smarter, Nick, I swear to God, <laughs> I didn't know that was a cold sweat emoji. All right. Now, I understand Coach thinks we're fast-forwarding too much with the Chiefs and the offense. Can we hit rewind instead? How about the year before they won the Super Bowl when they were the third-highest-scoring offense in the history of football and Patrick Mahomes had 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns? I mean, it just kind of does seem like they're, you know, one of the all-time greatest offenses with one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks, but what do I know? The reason Patrick Mahomes is so excited about this is because last year— 16 times he dropped back to pass on 3rd and 15 or 4th and 15 or longer. He was 12 of 16 with three touchdowns on a 156.3 passer rating. In other words, Patrick Mahomes is better 
at third or fourth and super long than any other quarterback in the league is at anything. So that's why he's excited about this. But I do think this could be used against the Chiefs defense to try to keep the Chiefs offense off the field, Wilds. And so I don't think there is just it is necessarily only great for the offenses. But I do think that it obviously, to Coach's point, and I understand we talk about head coach Eric Mangini, but prior to being head coach Eric Mangini, he was defensive coordinator Eric Mangini. And I understand why defensive coordinators, and I'll kick it to you, Coach, would see this and say, another thing where you are tilting the scales in favor of the offenses, I love it, but I understand why on the defensive side of the ball, it might seem like you're further weighing the scales. I don't know if it, it's totally slanting it towards the offense. Fourth and 15 is not an easy conversion, and it shouldn't be an easy conversion. And the numbers re reflect that. Now, Kansas City had an abnormally high success rate in, in, in that situation. And, and as people go and, and, and vote for this proposal, hopefully they're voting for it based on safety, first and foremost, and then based on, on you know how much they think it'll add to the excitement of the game. I do think it takes away from from the idea of all three phases having to work together. Does it does it skew offensively? Yeah, it does in the sense that typically if an offense has gone down and scored, they've got momentum and the, the defense is, is reeling to some degree. So then they have to come back out and, and make another stop. It does put you in, in a difficult position. That being said, it's not an easy conversion to, to complete. So I see both sides of it. Wilds, just quickly before we go, a few points and then something I know you're going to like. One is that when we talk butterfly effects, this will lead to, I see into a crystal ball, this will lead to me coming into work on a Monday morning, having a team that was four-point favorites and had a nine-point lead with two and a half minutes left, and I've lost the bet. This will lead to some historical gambling losses by me and others out there. And this will totally change the Madden game forever. Because on Madden, everyone's going to do this every time. But when we're talking about the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs Wilds, a quick list, five things the NF that has happened this offseason that has made it easier for the Chiefs to become a dynasty. And I'd love to see your reaction to this. How about this? Number oh, five. Boy. No one traded go. for the Chiefs' best defensive player, Chris Jones. Number four, no one in the AFC West signed Cam Newton. Well, we've got Drew Locke, Tyrod Taylor, and Derek Carr. Who needs Cam Newton? Number three, the Chiefs' offense had their pick of the litter of all the running backs coming out of college because no one drafted a running back before them. Number two, Eric Bieniemy still there. And now number one, you'd give Another rule to the offense with one of the greatest offenses ever. I would come up with a list of five ways things got harder for your beloved Patriots. But to be fair, it would have to be about a 50-point list, and we don't have the font for that, Wilds. <laughs> well, thank you. I was, I was praying that Jarrett the Javelin wasn't number one on the list. One final note, Jenna. I think there's a TV element to this, too. When you look at TV ratings... If you ever see a little dip, it's like, well, that was a good matchup, but it was a blowout. I think we get fewer blowouts or just more okay. intrigue to keep the time spent viewing on these games a little bit longer. Number one reason they won't repeat is like because it. they overestimate their ability to repeat. Just like every other team. Oh, it's not that easy. Oh, it's I'm not trying that, to get it's 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 it's
coach. Yeah, how many Shots teams have been beaten? Back down to earth. All right. New England. We, we got to take a break. A healthy lifestyle should be easy, right? Eat veggies, drink green smoothies, exercise, get your heart rate up, and do yoga to bring your heart rate back down. Well, maybe not so easy, but there is something that helps improve everything, and you can literally do it with your eyes closed. It's sleep. Sleep Number knows what it takes to sleep your best. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed lets you choose your ideal firmness, comfort, and support on each side, your Sleep Number setting. It's the perfect solution for couples. These beds are so smart, they respond to your every move and automatically adjust to keep you sleeping comfortably all night. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, for a limited time during the Memorial Day sale, save $1,000 on the new Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, a queen, now only $17.99. You'll only find Sleep Number at Sleep Number stores or by visiting www.sleepnumber.com Alright, back here with Eric Mangini. Time for drawing a blank. Patrick Mahomes is on the brink of being the highest paid NFL player of all time. But what does brink mean? <laughs> well, Chiefs owner Clark Hunt saying negotiations are something we'll be getting into this summer. And, Nick, all that money to Mahomes means very little money left for everybody else. So the Chiefs' Super Bowl window, as soon as they sign Mahomes, is blank. First of all, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but Jenna Wolf is just on fire this morning. Did you see what she did with Brink? We're talking about money like a Brink's truck. Back up the Brinks truck, Chiefs on the on Brink. On purpose. It's just, I, you're just, I, I don't even know if you're doing it on purpose, Jenna. You're just money every single Nick, time you, you fever? talk. Uh, all right, the Chiefs me. Super Bowl window, once it. they sign Patrick Mahomes, will be car dealership esque. And by that I mean, you go to a car dealership, you're like, how'd they get this F 150 in here, this giant SUV? And then you realize those windows aren't actually windows, they're garage doors, and they roll wide open. It's floor to ceiling. So that's going to be the Chiefs Super Bowl window. It's going to be floor to ceiling, palatial, open spaces, as open of a floor plan as you can possibly get, like I assume Coach Mangini has in his palatial Ohio estate. So, yeah, going to be car dealership-esque, Coach. Yeah. Look, this must be Freaky Friday with, with Nick complimenting Jenna as, as much as he is. But 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 I'll go with it. Um, to me, this, this is open. It should be open annually. And... The reason I say that is whenever you have a great quarterback, and look, Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback, you have a chance to win the Super Bowl every year. Now, it's it's not that easy to do. It's definitely not as easy as Nick thinks it is to, to do. And what you have to do is evolve as an organization because you do have to compensate for the lack of resources that you have because of what you pay that, that quarterback. And you've got to make some other really good decisions to, to support them and, and build the team and be competitive year in and year out. You, you've seen a lot of great quarterbacks with only one Super Bowl. Look, uh, whether it was Drew Brees in, in New Orleans or um, Manning, you know, one in, in, in Indianapolis. So it, it's harder than you think, Nick. Jenna, I'm going to draw Nick's uh, car dealership analogies there. 
I think there's gonna be a considerable amount of sticker shock, and here's why. I put cap breaker as my real answer. The cap right now is 198 million. Five years ago, it was 155. So it's an increase of 27%, and nothing happened. There was no massive new deal. Netflix didn't get the NFL. In 2022, when the TV rights are renegotiated, the numbers are gonna go bonkers. And the number that Nick is going to have to pay Patrick Mahomes to keep him in that red and white jersey is going to be astronomical. I can't even picture, it could be 50 million plus Nick. I'll take over on 50 million. Sticker shock should be my answer. I put cat breaker. Going in that direction. All right, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles now. We got it. The Eagles got a heap of love from Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson, who said this about the birds. <clears throat> this is a team that no one's really talking about. Philadelphia is going to be scary. He must not be watching because we literally talk about them all the time. Uh, but Nick, LT's comments on the Eagles are blank. Deja vu. What year is it? Because I feel like this is what was said about the Eagles one year ago today. This was said about what was said about the Eagles two years ago today. Look at the roster. Look at the talent. Why can't they win 12 or 13 games? I bought into it last year. I think I had them 12 and 4 as the two seed, like a doofus. Listen, I, at this point, the Eagles have to prove they are more than a magical six quarters of football in the second half or the final two and a half quarters of the conference championship game and then the Super Bowl against the Patriots. I understand they were spectacular that regular season until Carson Wentz got hurt, but they've now had two regular seasons since then when they've been at. And I don't think they made these massive upgrades this offseason. So I, I, I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I have them in the playoffs at nine and seven as the seven seed, I think, if I'm remembering my predictions correctly. But I don't think they're going to be this juggernaut. And I don't know, Coach, if they ever actually were a juggernaut. Yeah, I think this is this is a little bit strong, but I, I don't think it's totally unreasonable. And it's surprising to me, Nick, that you're mad at a team that, that predicted unlimited success after they won one Super Bowl. I mean, that seems to be the way that it goes for every team that wins <laughs> once is that Go suddenly it, they're coach. able to win every so year, year it, in and year so out. Good. And look, and the other thing is that they have a good time doing it in, in Philadelphia. They have fun while they win. And and that that's the way that they roll. But it's it's not that easy to do. And it's it's not that fun. Now, that that being said, they were pretty good last year and they had a significant amount of injuries and the injuries continue to be an issue for them, especially at the quarterback position, how well he can he can sustain uh, himself and, and, and stay healthy. That that's a big part of this. But they did make some upgrades or added some depth on the defensive line. They've addressed the secondary. They added some more um, weapons in the receiving core. Deshaun Jackson is back. There's a lot of things to like about the Eagles, but it's it's still going to be a function of how well that chemistry and, and, and those parts can come together. Jenna, I agree with you. I wrote must be nice because when... Ladanian says no one's talking about the Eagles. It must be nice because, unfortunately, our researcher, Dusty, is an Eagles fan, and he makes us talk about the Eagles 24 hours a day. Quick story. The when time. the schedule release yep. was coming out, we foolishly said, hey, let's kind of, like, highlight some big games, and then once we get where they land on the schedule, we'll be prepared. We gave the list to Dusty. Dusty comes back 
with a list of the interesting games. And I swear to God, there were 12 Eagles games on the list of about 40 games. We said, Dusty. So now I asked him to give me a good stat. And Dusty said, literally gave me 10 more stats, but smartly, he said, too long, didn't read. Just say this. Uh, continuity, great quarterbacking, and added much needed youth and athleticism. So thank you, Dusty. Dusty getting roasted out here on a Friday morning. That's not uh, roasted. Moving on. Hey, how about this, guys? Look, oh, Dusty getting it all. LeBron James and Tom Brady are pairing up for a sports <laughs> docuseries titled Greatness Code that will air on Apple+. Plus. So you got Very Nick's short. goat plus Kevin's goat in one place. All that's missing is Danny Ainge. And guys, we've got the trifecta. <laughs> Nick, LeBron, and Brady working together on a TV show. With Danny Ainge, will I'm sure be looped in at some point, because obviously something's missing. What would that be? A would-be blank. Jenna, you have been doing so well. All the compliments were genuine. We've talked about this. You said that after Danny Ainge scorned you, for a decade straight, many and times. even after Daryl Morey texted him to tell him to respond to you, he still ignored you. That you were over still it. ignored me, and yet somehow he gets, he, somehow he gets involved in this. So uh, we were now Rocky five steps in. forward, eight steps backwards. But to answer the question, LeBron and Brady working together on a TV show is scary, and it's scary for me personally because one of the underrated parts of LeBron's career is that despite being a guy from a really tough upbringing, coming straight out of high school into the NBA, he's had no controversies, he's had no arrests, he's had no scandals. And now, to team up with a guy who's been embroiled in cheating scandal after cheating scandal, is now, you know, I think he's still being investigated for potential breaking and entering. I just, I don't want LeBron to fall down the path of you know, a, a kind of a bad crowd. He's kept some great people around him with Rich and Randy and Maverick. And now I just worry that he goes to L.A. and he sees the bright lights of Tom Brady. And all of a sudden we're going to see him on TMZ. And so it's scary for me, Coach. Yeah, to, to me, this is missing Michael Jordan and, and must-see TV for uh, Patrick Mahomes. I don't know how you can have anything called the greatness code without including Michael Jordan, especially after what we just saw. From, from the previous documentary and with Patrick Mahomes, he has to look at Tom Brady and try to emulate the things that he's done where you can handle fame and success and money and all those things that come with with winning and, and still be able to, to, to push yourself in ways that other great players haven't. So he gets those two things fixed or, or he's able to look at those things. I, I think it'll help him a lot. I went with uh, Super Goat Jenna, and here's why. LeBron and Tom might be relegated to the kids' table of this show. When you look at the other goats that are on here, you know, LeBron's got three championships. Brady's got six championships. Usain Bolt, eight-time champion. Katie Ledecky, 15-time world champion. And Kelly Slater, 11-time world champion. So yep. a lot of goats lined up. Happy to watch it. All right, good stuff. Let's end with Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick who has oh used quarantine as a perfect excuse to Zoom more and groom less. When he was recently asked about his beard, he said, there's only two people in the country that I trust to touch this thing. Question is, do those two people want to touch that thing? Nick, Fitzy's quarantine look is blank. It's career lengthening. 
And this is a heady play from the Harvard grad, and here's why. Ryan Fitzpatrick's look has become the narrative on him instead of the fact that I, I couldn't believe this when I looked it up this morning. He has started 139 games. He has 161 interceptions. Of all active quarterbacks in football, only Jameis has a higher career interception rate than Fitzpatrick. But because he's a good quote and he's got a great beard, we talk about him and he gets to stay in the league. He should have thrown himself out of the league years ago, but he hangs around and just keeps throwing it to the other team. And we're like, oh, look at him. Look at that hair. Did you know he went to Harvard? Such a it's just, So I feel like it's a ploy. I feel like he has cracked the code to career longevity. The McCown brothers all should have grown beards years ago, coach. And they'd maybe still <laughs> yes. be getting interviewed and still be starting for teams. Yeah, to, to me, this is straight out of central casting. He, he, you need like a Sherpa or some kind of guru and, and put him on top of the on top of the mountain in, in like a robe so that Tua can climb to the mountain and hear the wisdom from from the, the quarterback, uh, the quarterback guru. He'd be he'd be perfect for that role. And then that's the role he's going to have to play in Miami. Jenna, I agree with Nick. We figured him out. Total remarketing. Hey, you're a Harvard nerd. No, I'm not. I'm a big lumberjack. Hey, you're a competent game manager. No, I'm not. According to the study we had on yesterday, eighth best deep passer in the league. Hey, you're a pocket passer. Am I? I led the Dolphins in rushing last year. Hey, you're going to mentor Tua. Yeah, I am. Also, I'm going to compete for the starting job. Very savvy, very chameleon-like. You don't know what the guy's up to, Jenna. I love it. I love it all. All right, we got to take a break. Back here, first things first, time for stories to start your morning. We have some breaking news now. Are you sitting down? Brace yourself. Dak Prescott still does not have a contract with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, recent report oh, saying Dak and the boys a, still only disagree about the length fake. of the deal. Sorry, sorry. I know it's a pump fake. Nick, are you starting to worry a little bit about Dak and the boys? I'm not worried about Dak. You're going to be fine. Dak's got 31 million in one hand, 110 million guaranteed in the other hand, and he might drop both hands and say, you know what? Let's just play this thing out. So I, no, I'm not worried about Dak, but I do think. Wild started the countdown. We've got 54 days and a few hours until the July 15th deadline. And I think it's going to be, let me say this. Dak will not be signed prior to July 10th. Now, maybe in those final five days it gets done, but the math gets very tough for the Dallas Cowboys with what Dak wants. And so I think Cowboy fans need to be totally prepared, Wilds, for Dak to play this thing out for another season. I agree, Nick. I am uh, officially jumping my 50-day deadline and moving my panic meter up two notches. I was at no worries in the world, and then I think it's concerned. Now I'm moving it up to uh, feeling antsy, feeling antsy, Coach. I used to have it as stress-free. I'm moving it up. I don't know where you fall on this, but I'm officially moving up. I'm not at all the way to the red, which we made red. That's the Andy Dalton alert. I'm not there yet, Coach. Yeah, to, to me, this is a stress-free uh, area in my panic meter. In this world of, of Zoom that we're in right now, there, there's not a lot that, that he's missing. It's not like everybody's together in the building and they, that he missed OTAs and, and, and all the things that, that come along with that. This could go, go right to the wire. I think the panic 
meter is going to go up when he does sign the contract and they've got to make other decisions because of the amount of money he's being paid. Huh. All right, let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now. They've already won an award and it's still May. Bill Barnwell awarding them the team who had the best offseason in the NFL. I guess adding nine Super Bowl rings and Brady and Gronk is considered an upgrade. Coach, you agree with Barnwell? I, I don't know what what comes with, with that award. Do you get a ring? Do you get a pendant? Like, what does what Bill Barnwell hand out for winning the offseason? Like, <laughs> that's fantastic. You win the offseason. You win a press conference. So many teams are caught up with with signing big names. And, and look, Washington Redskins used to do it all the time. They'd sign guys for big money who used to be really good players but weren't necessarily now. Now, I'm not saying that's the case with, with Tampa Bay. It remains to be seen how well these two players are able to play in this environment. And I love Tom Brady, and I believe in Tom Brady, but it's still a dramatically different situation and, and a lot to learn and high expectations so what? You win the offseason. Congratulations. Yikes, coach. Man, whoa, coach. Not fired up this morning. Uh, <laughs> is Nick, that, is that too hard? For your answer. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, just like you're – it's just a lot. It was just – it was just, you know, you're up and down this morning. I got to be honest with you. I got to be honest with you. I got to take integrity. You're up and down. Uh, Nick <laughs> – Nick, I, I love I love that you value take integrity. The other thing I know you're a big fan of, very, very smart and informed football people, which Bill Barnwell is one of them. So I don't know how you're going to fall on this. I feel like there's a, you're in a tough spot. I know you respect Barnwell, and Barnwell just said something that you totally disagree with. So where are you going to fall here, well, Barnwell or anti-Brady hate that I you're obligated contractually to I deliver on know. the show? I don't know that I disagree fully with Bill Barnwell. You're right. Bill Barnwell is the well, single smartest person writing about football. It, it, Barnwell is brilliant, and I've said this before. I'll say it again. If I were to buy an NFL team, the first thing I would do is appoint myself general manager. The second thing I would do is hire Coach Mangini as my head coach. And the third thing I would do is bring Bill Barnwell in to be my concierge. So, I, yes, I agree with you. I actually love... What the Bucks did this offseason. I was in Dominican Sue, Jason Pierre Paul, and Shaq Barrett. I think all of us thought they were going to lose one of those great front seven defenders. They brought them all back. I, being able to trade up in the draft and get Tristan Wirfs was a spectacular move. Getting Gronk for nothing, essentially, is a great move. The question I have, and I think Barnwell has it, and Coach acts like he doesn't have it, but he just kind of a little Freudian slip there. The question I have is, are they a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender? That's what we'll find out this year. Are the Bucs a quarterback away, or did they do what Washington used to do, which is sign Hall of Famers well past their prime, which they may have done with one Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, but we'll find out. But I don't think Barnwell's off on this channel. All right, speaking of Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, warm weather Tom's now down in Tampa. So new Jets running back Frank Gore believes the AFC East is, quote, wide open. Nick, back to you. Is this anyone's division to win this season? Well, I think the future Hall of Famer Frank Gore is almost exactly right on this. I have the AFC East going down to week 17 with the Bills, Dolphins, and Patriots all alive for the division title with one week left in the season. Unfortunately, that's just three of the four teams. The fourth team is the one 
Frank Gore's on. That's the Jets. I think they're going to be eliminated from postseason contention come around Thanksgiving. I think they're a four-win team. But I do think, Wilds, it's wide open. I think the Bills, Dolphins, Je- or Patriots all win between eight and ten games. I think the Patriots have a good final month kick to end up winning the division. Look, I, I said uh, November 19th, 2020, that's when the Jets will play the Patriots. And I don't think Frank Gore is wise to be giving the Patriots bulletin board material, except for the fact that the Patriots don't need bulletin board material because they're so smart. They don't use bulletin boards. They just memorize everything, coach. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Gore is absolutely one of my favorite all-time players. And and I, I agree with Frank to, to some degree. Uh, in the sense that nobody has a, a real proven quarterback. Nobody has shown that their quarterback can consistently lead um, at that, the highest level that, or the high level that, that, that needs to be done. Now, I like a lot of the things that Buffalo has done in the offseason. I like Buffalo's mentality and, and, and approach to things. And I think they're the biggest threat to New England. But until you dethrone New England, it's hard to say that it's this is wide open. They still have Bill Belichick. They still have Josh McDaniels, and they still have a, a really strong core Stidham. and an edge and an edge mentally over the rest of the division. Quickly, Don't little known it. fact: Yell it, yell Coach it. They got Stidham. Jenna, no, Nick. Jenna, just quickly here. I apologize. Coach wanted to name his youngest son Frank after Frank Gore. White vetoed him, and it's your, one of your kids' favorite players. At least one of those two things I just said is true. Let's not let the audience know which one it is. Jenna, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Switch gears, talk some basketball now. ESPN released their all-time starting fives for every team in the league. So the Spurs featured Parker, Ginobili, Gervin, Duncan, and Robinson. Wait, hang on. No Kawhi. Maybe he was load managing when the list came out. Nick, you surprised they let wow, Kawhi Jeff. off? No. Too much? This is not a shot at Kawhi. Take it back. Can Too much? folks no? please put some... I, I know... Can folks please put some respect on some of the older players' names? George Gervin made seven first or second team All-NBAs with the Spurs. Won a handful of scoring titles with the Spurs. Kawhi Leonard made the All-Star team twice with the Spurs. He, he was only a great player in San Antonio for two seasons. So who are you taking off? Parker and Ginobili have to be there. Duncan and Robinson have to be there. You can't remove the ice, man. This is obviously correct. I thought ESPN did a spectacular job on this for 29 of their 30 teams. The one outlier is they left off Kevin McHale in favor of Paul Pierce, which is just indefensible. And I just wanted to fit that in to put Wilds okay. in a bad spot here. Go ahead, Wilds. No, for, for, look, we'll get to Paul Pierce later on. The, the more outrageous thing to me, Coach and Jenna, was that the Celtics all-time starting five left off Danny Ainge. Thank oh, you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, now I don't uh, have to say it. I Thank you. Love you, Wilds. I don't say it very up. often, but I, but I agree ahead, with Nick on, on both points. I think there's this, this rush to put new players uh, ahead of, of – of, traditionally successful players just because it's more it's fresher in our minds and and not having Kevin McHale on on the starting five to me and choosing Paul Pierce over him is, is a and shame Danny, Kevin McHale and Danny Ainge yeah Danny Ainge no, no, I don't know Kevin McHale though uh, let us 
transit. Coach, you're good. Now we're done. Let's transition to something new here on First Things First. Wilds breaking down oh. everything that happened throughout the week. He's going to hand out a bronze, silver, and gold medal. You know what that means? Something we are calling. Yes. Wait, what? Olympiad. Wilds, my friend, take yes, it away. Wait, what? Olympiad. Oh, thank you, Jenna. Well, with the endless scroll of social media and the revolutions of the news cycle, there's occasionally some stories that make us say, wait, what? The gold goes to, oh, no, I'm sorry, I screwed it up already. The bronze goes to LeBron James. In yesterday's <laughs> delightful finale of Game of Zones, LeBron's coronation was disrupted by a skeptical chorus doubting his GOAT status. Shocked by the development, LeBron looked to his most loyal supporter saying, what? Where's Nick Wright? <laughs> only be to be informed that he had been eaten by a dragon. Making matters worse for Nick, the newly crowned goat was not a fan of take integrity, but was a fan of the truth. The silver is going to a Jordan 1. This autographed Jordan 1 set the record for a shoe sale for $560,000. The player exclusive Jordan 1, different from the consumer model, better leather, lower profile, and a leaner Nike check. Here's the funny part. Also, two different sizes. Jordan wore a size 13 on his left foot and a 13 and a half on his right foot. Never knew this. I've been Jordan fan for 30 years. So while we're all trying to be like Mike, turns out we are all a half size off. Now, the esteemed gold medal is going to the Madden Times Checkdown Simulation. I'll wait for the graphic here. Bingo. Now look, while most computer simulations conjure a paralyzing fear that our physical bodies are suspended in a vat of neon green ooze, while sentient yet soulless robots plunge their digital fangs into our brainstem to drain us of our very essence, the plus side is that these Madden simulations are actually pretty interesting. If we can look at the stats here, in their newest standings, we've got the Chiefs playing mighty well, the Ravens are playing great, the Browns are playing great, unfortunately, my Patriots, two and eight, coach. I don't know what's going on, but if it keeps my mind off of being a, a uh, stuck in a vat of ooze, I'll say congratulations to the Madden Checkdown Simulation, <laughs> today's gold medal winner in the Wait What Olympiad, Nick. Uh, I, this is a great new segment. You you nailed it. My only critique would be. I would have had the LeBron name-checking me slightly higher on the list, certainly higher than Jordan's old stinky sneakers. <laughs> but aside from that, A-plus work by Kevin Wilds. Spectacular job, Jenna. Oh, yeah. With a field of eight current and former NFL players battling to support those most impacted by COVID-19 through the Feeding America charity, we're now joined by... Ravens wideout Marquise Hollywood Brown will be one of those eight players participating. Hollywood, good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. First of all, just tell us about the whole Madden experience. Uh, good morning, guys. Uh, it's been fun just to be out playing Madden and getting to interact, you know, with other NFL players and fans and just a different way in, in times like this to uh, share moments. I just want to I just want to show America how Hollywood's been staying busy because some of the videos that you've put out are really impressive. You turn your whole driveway basically uh, into a gym. You work out all day, every day. Uh, is it hard not being able to train at a facility with your teammates? Although you look like you, you look like you're doing just fine, if I may say. 
it's it's kind of different, but you know, it gives you a time to you know reflect on yourself. And you know, I jump on Facetime calls, video calls, and I train with some of my teammates over over that. So you know, it's just we gotta find different ways to you know get better every day. Hollywood, September of 2016, you're at College of the Canyons and working part time at Six Flags. If I if my research is correct, September yeah. of 2019, you're you got 150 yards and two touchdowns in your first career NFL game as a first round pick. A lot changed for you in a very short period of time. Can you tell me about what what it was like going from? College of the Canyons, Six Flags part-time, to starring in your first NFL game in just 36 months? Uh, it was a quick turnaround. Um, you know, I just give all the glory to God, you know, just for putting me in the situations to, you know, thrive. And and I just had to take every opportunity that I, that I got and just ran with it. And that's pretty much my, my whole philosophy now. You know, if I get an opportunity, you know, I got to just do my best to make the most of it. Hollywood, you had two screws in your foot last year and still had a great season. What's the ceiling for you this year? Uh, I mean, wherever God takes me, you know, wherever he leads me to, you know, if that's having a great year, if it's not, you know, I just want to be my best to help my team, you know, be as successful as possible. All right, Hollywood, I, I got to talk to you about your, your track record with quarterbacks because it's been so impressive. Sophomore year at Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield, the guy wins the Heisman. Junior year at Oklahoma, Kyler Murray. The guy wins the Heisman. Rookie year, your quarterback is Lamar Jackson. He wins the MVP. What do all these three guys have specifically in common, and who do you think has made you the best receiver? Uh, they all have in common the fact that they want to win, you know, very badly. You know, they all share that common goal of, you know, whatever it takes, you know, they expect you – to be where you need to be at the right time, and they want to win, you know. So those guys, you know, I have the utmost respect for. Uh, as far as who made me better, I think it was probably, you know, Kyler, because, you know, coming in, Baker, I was like a young guy. You know, I didn't play, like, the first few games. Then, you know, I came in, you know, everybody was clicking. You know, I just had to find my way in and, and, and try to help the team as much as I can. But, you know, that next year coming in, that was Kyler first year starting. I was kind of the guy that was already playing, so – just, you know, getting that connection with him in the summer and it really showed me how to build a chemistry with a quarterback, you know, leading up into a season. Hollywood, your connection with Lamar goes back to your youth where you guys didn't, I think I'm right on this, you didn't play on the same Pop Warner team, but you played in the same Pop Warner league. Any yeah. legendary Lamar Jackson stories from youth of him breaking some poor kid's ankles or just carrying a team? That was every day, every Saturday. Uh, you know, the stuff that he do now, you know, he's been doing the same thing since he was when he was young. You know, he was like the only quarterback to throw the ball when we were like nine years old. So, you know, just seeing him now and seeing what he's able to accomplish, you know, it's just it's just bringing a smile to my face. Hollywood, the Ravens on the field highlights, excellent, right? You guys went 14 and 2. The off-the-field highlights from the press conferences to some locker room videos that NFL released. It just seems like you guys have an amazing chemistry. We had Mark Ingram on the show earlier this week, and he talked about how special the team was. Can you tell a story or, or give us a glimpse on what makes the team so special in this unique chemistry that the Ravens have? Uh, I think it's just, you know, 
coming into the league, you know, everybody told me, you know, the locker room going to be different from college. You know, it's not that much excitement. You know, it's about business. But when I came into the Ravens, it was like, you know, it was it was fun. You know, everybody is is there for each other. You know, we playing music, we dance around, you know. But when it's down to business, you know, we fly around. When we're in practice, we're flying around, you know. The guys giving you tips to how to get better. And it's just a fun environment, you know. Every, probably like, we come in every Friday, every Thursday, you know, they got the music playing, you know, guys are dancing. And just, we're going to, you know, our walkthrough and it's just dialed in, locked in, silent. And, and then, you know, for us to be able to turn it on and turn it off like that, you know, it's, it's, it's a special team. That's funny, Hollywood. That's what we do before the show. Dancing <laughs> for like 30 minutes and then we dial in and we get ready yeah. to go. Uh, do me a favor, please. Tell me what big trust means. Everyone tries to explain to me. I, I didn't quite get it. What does it mean? What did it mean to that team? And what's the new motto this year going to be? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I came in, you know, South Florida, Lamar, South Florida guy, I'm a South Florida guy. And, you know, trust is just, you know, something that, you know, we grew up on. And then for, you know, the team to adapt and then, you know, Mark Ingram being the personality that he is, you know, he he made it big with, you know, the big trust. So, you know, it's just it's just fun to see everybody rally around something so small and, and make it so big and. You know, I don't know what the motto is going to be this year, but whatever it is, you know, he's just going to stand by our quarterback and whatever he want to rock with. One of the most underrated coaches in the NFL is your head coach, John Harbaugh. He's even underrated amongst his family because Jim Harbaugh gets all the headlines at Michigan for some of his histrionics. John, though, I've heard from players, has a famous hot streak to him as well. We just don't always get to see it. Tell us something maybe about your coach that the audience doesn't know, if you would. Oh, uh, man, he gets fired up. Uh, you know, he's the guy that can get you going. And, you know, even on the sidelines, you know, you come make a play or you don't make a play, you know, he get he gets you fired up. But he also knows how to talk to you. You know, he knows how to, you know, get you in that mindset, get you ready to go. And, you know, he, he's a great coach. Real quick, we got about 30 seconds left. Your mom told you when you were younger, say things out loud, put them in, speak them into existence. So the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl. Who will they be playing this year? Uh, I don't know who, gonna, who we're going to be playing. I just know we're going to be there. So <laughs> I'll, I'll be ready to see who we I just know it's going to be you. Yeah. All right, Hollywood, thank you so much for joining us. All the best to you on the Madden 20. It's for such a good cause. Uh, and good luck with the season this year. I think a lot of people are rooting for the Baltimore Ravens to do some really big things. We really, really appreciate you being with us. We got to go. That's it for us. Have a great weekend, everybody. First things first, back here Monday morning. Take care, everyone. <laughs>